I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. This is Bink Bank Tour Stage 4, even though there was no Stage 2. And it's the individual time trial that they relocated. Hats off to the Bink Bank Tour race organizers. They've done a fantastic job with all the spanners that have been thrown at them, um, yeah, in the middle of their own race. So, yeah, hats off to them. Incredible effort to have this ITT back on in starting in Cana and finishing there as well in Rienst. Uh 8.14K, so a prologue length. It's not actually a prologue because it's in the middle of the race. And it started and then went up a pretty steep uh, initial climb, which I think is called the uh, Schlingerberg, 600 metres at 7%, I think 500 metres at 8% uh, in the middle of that as well, and very technical, these 8.14 kilometres. And we'll, we'll talk about how that influenced the race results uh, as we get into it. But, yeah, they do this climb pretty much straight out of the gate, and then it looks flat when you look at the profile. There's the Musenberg and then a descent into the finish. But when you look at the actual map of the route, you can see how many twists and turns there are. Uh, and as Benji mentioned yesterday, previewing this, they went across the river, whatever the river is, uh, and were pretty much on the border with the Netherlands uh, into the finish. But yeah, that was the the profile. Very interesting little um, ITT. I love these sort of races. Uh, in advance of the last stage tomorrow, the favourites were probably Kuhn, Pedersen, Vanderpol maybe on a good day, Yannick Steimler, or Kra Anderson as well. Um, and maybe I'm missing someone off that list. But they were the main favourites, I think, that we mentioned yesterday. I can't remember who we picked. I've got a bad feeling Benji probably might have picked the winner. Um, but, yeah, what? <laughs> who were the initial people setting good times, Benji, maybe staying on the hot seat for quite a while? Honestly, I tuned in the moment that Laporte took the first time, and I wondered a bit how that came to be because I swear like five minutes earlier, I saw him almost ride through the dirt on the side of the road and basically ride through the grass and get back on the on the road so somehow he was able to do all that probably lose like three four seconds in that and still being able to put a really good time trial in and i think he beat the person who was sitting there beforehand by a good 67 seconds at that point but did you get like anyone earlier that was notable that i am supposed to mention right now or yeah, Ludwig Sundi, uh, I think, is a Swedish rider on FDJ. I'm getting him, I think that's that's who, I'm getting his nationality correct. Um, yeah, he was on the on the hot seat for quite a while. And I think, it, yeah, I think he's 29, actually. He's not that young. But he's a good TT rider. Um, probably, but he's won the Swedish National Champs ITT three years in a row. But Laporte, it's that when they went across the bridge, they go... There's sort of a quick little descent and then they have a right-hand turn and half the bridge was blocked off so they could only turn onto a narrower section. The port nearly crashed into the cones in the middle of the road there, didn't. And then the right-hander, sort of the last main turn before they went into the 
maybe straight three kilometer section no one else had any real troubles with that corner and I don't know what happened because his line looked okay and then he kind of backed out of his line or it maybe even looked like he jammed his chain for a second or grabbed the brake at a weird moment it was weird um and that just sent him off course going in towards the ditch and he managed to hold it up and sort of cyclocross style unclipped kept rolling up a, a nice little grassy verge that was there for him and as benji said really only lost about two or three seconds but yeah he took a new best time i'm not sure how much that would have actually cost him but it didn't really matter in the end to be honest um but yeah he was on the hot seat for a fair bit and i can't remember who knocked him off next benji I think it was Yannick Steinler. We uh, spoke about him already a bit. He um, he started at the Koenig by being an intern, and being an intern, he won a stage. I think a one-day race in Belgium. And because of that, I was kind of looking at him more as a classics type with a bit of a sprint, because he won sprints in the years before going to the Koenig. But I didn't know he could prologue slash time trial in short, or time trials at least. And yeah, today certainly showed that he did because he was beating the time of Laporte quite well. And he beat that strikingly at the intermediate as well. At the finish line, kept that up. And I think even gained a bit more time and beat the uh, Laporte time by three seconds there. But it didn't last for too long. At that moment, you basically had like the real riders come out and the time trialists also coming out because the people that we saw as potential favorites were pretty close in GC as this stage race is seen as, well, the cobble and hill classics race, but also the fact that if you get a good time trial, you've got a good chance of being good in GC as well. So that's why the GC favorites are usually pretty good at time trials as well. Now, Yasha Zutelin was the next one to uh, beat the time of Steimler. I didn't really have him on my radar anymore. The last few years, I feel like he's been worsening and worsening. I think he was good in a Paris-Roubaix once for Cobbles as well. When it comes to time trials, I did not know whether his allegiances lied with the shorter time trials or the longer ones. So it looks like he's uh, he's better at the shorter ones. And if I recall correctly, that was also the case in one of the earlier Bing Bang tours, maybe 2018 or something. But one of the riders that I did not expect to see in the top five and has done quite well already in this Bing Bang tour is a rider from EF. They were sprinting for him in stage one. Stefan Bissiger, he was second in the World Championships in 2019, U23. So I generally did not know that until I like looked it up a bit earlier today. Honestly, looks like a crazy talent. He's had a wonderful year already. Second in the U23 European Continental Championships, ITT. Third in the uh, time trial championships in Switzerland. So definitely leaning more towards a rider that can do ITT, but also does some proper sprinting. He was third in a, well, I wouldn't call this a proper sprint stage. I'd call this a, a hilly punchy stage, the first stage of Toulon, where Bajoli won against Roglic. Bissiga was up there and actually ended third in that sprint. So great result by him. And when it comes to a Polish race, the Orland Nations Grand Prix, he was uh, good in that as well, but I think that's a, a team time trial, so that doesn't really matter for him personally. But in this Bing Bang Tour, 15th stage 1, 13th in stage 3, because yeah, 2 didn't happen, and now 3rd in stage 4, which is honestly, yeah, so surprising to me. I, I'm looking forward to see what he flows into, what he can perform at. I think he's going to be good on the cobbles as well tomorrow, so... I'm looking forward to see what he does there. 
yeah, he's a crazy, crazy talent. 22 years old, already getting really good results. And fifth in that first stage, I think it was, that's a really good result. But also, yeah, being able to have back up with the time trial and then he seems to be able to get over a hill as well. He's not that tall. And I think that was a general theme for the guys that actually did well in this uh, ITT. Apart from Kung, Mads Pedersen, Kransen, Bessiger, they are all, and I think uh, Sutherland as well, they're all, and actually he's, a bit, he's quite tall. All the other, the first three I mentioned are under six foot, but sort of bigger guys in mid-70 kilos as well. Um, so I think that played a part given how technical this course was. It seemed like Kung was losing time to some of those other riders on maybe the descents, on the some of the chicanes, the chicane at the end. Um, a lot of the half this course seemed to be on like concrete slabs, not a real road. And there's big seams in between the slabs where very treacherous and riders were getting so many nearly crashed multiple times. I think maybe Sepfar Mark was it Benji. He did touch down. We don't exactly know why or where, but regardless, riders were having issues getting their wheels nearly caught in these big cracks, which can take you down. Now I think the the smaller guys, they're not they're not like I'm not talking Ivan Sosa small here, but they're smaller for the power guys. They're not Burnham size or Kung size. Um, had a little bit of an advantage, uh, given that I think Pedersen, Kranderson, and and Bessiger are like uh, five five ten, I think uh, there or thereabouts. But yeah, that's that's how I viewed this TT. Is power is important. Uh, being able to punch out of the corners, I think that gave an advantage to Bessiger and Pedersen, and. There was not that many periods where you could really settle into your extensions for a long period of time and churn out some big watts in an aero position uh, like, say, a Kung likes to do or maybe even Volscheid. But that's a nice segue, Benji, for you to talk about your favourite rider in the world, SKA, Soren Granderson. <laughs> He's probably not even in my top 100. That's the worst part of this. But you made it sound in the last week that he's my favorite rider. <laughs> anyway, Søren Kranderson, I um, I am a supporter on this Bing Bang Tour because of our uh, wager, our friendly wager we have between Kranderson and Peterson. Lanta for Peterson and myself for Kranderson. And they seem to be going pretty close in GC, so it's quite mad so far. Kranderson, he, uh, yeah, he stormed right off the front when he started the stamp trial, and made one hell of an impression at the intermediate sprint. Yeah, exploded onto the other time trialers because that was one hell of an intermediate sprint, um, intermediate time, and he beat the others quite suitably. So at that point, I was like, okay, Kronderson has this, but we got to keep in mind that Kung had not finished yet, that Peterson had not finished yet. So those two riders were going to be extremely important for the outcome of this time trial. Vanderpool was not on the road either, so he could potentially mingle with the best ride here. But Kronderson, he's shown already by, I think he won the time trial last year as well, but I'm not completely sure, in Den Haag. He did not because Filippo Ganna did, and he actually rode exactly the same time as Pedersen last year, uh, a good five seconds behind King. So he did not look like um, they're having the best time last year, but... Uh, this time around, it looked like he actually had something cool going on because the man beat the time of Bissiger and ended up taking the first time at the finish. So 
wonderful time by Soren Kralander. It's a 9.59, an average of 48.9, which is uh, quite a lot considering all the bends and so forth we had on this and the small hill at the start. So it's not necessarily the parkour where you can, where you can storm ahead and not really bother about cornering and technique. So you lose speed in the corners, you lose speed on the climbs, and eventually that obviously leads to a lower average. But wonderful time. And the next ones on the road were then in the order of, I think, Kung first, then Vanderpool, and then Peterson. That's right. And Kran Anderson, his time after the intermediate uh, checkpoint was... I haven't checked, but it has to be the quickest of the day. Um, just doing some reverse engineering of the numbers. He was six seconds, I think, six or seven seconds ahead of uh, Sauterlin, who was in the hot seat for a brief moment, the German, um, ahead of Steimler, who was then in second, I think, or maybe he'd been bumped off then by Bissiger. But, yeah, Kranderson, I think, in the last two to three kilometres, put about ten seconds into uh, Sauterlin, which is super quick and i think we didn't see it on the tv unfortunately we didn't really see much footage of um the descent where i think Cranderson made up a lot of that time and how he took how he approached that but yeah 16 seconds in a 10 minute time trial on the next best time is very very quick and i thought oh i was worried very worried at that point about mads Pedersen, who was obviously going last because he's he was in the uh the leader's jersey for John GC today. And, yeah, then it was Van der Poel and Kung. I think Kung before Van der Poel. Uh, Kung obviously behind on GC and because he hadn't been contesting the sprints really, just like Anderson, I don't think. And, yeah, Kung, European champion. I've got to say his kit looks pretty good, actually. Um, I really like what they've done with his kit. But he came out pretty well like he was riding like a really low gear like a high cadence on the climb uh attacking it out of the saddle and yeah I was I thought he'd be it's hard to say in the initially I thought he was going to win the stage but then when I saw how technical it was I thought oh that's not going to suit him too much and yeah he seemed to be about what was it four or five seconds behind uh Anderson at the initial checkpoint or the intermediate checkpoint after check that Benji. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and then he I think just kept losing time on that descent to uh Cranderson. Just I don't know what it was. Maybe yeah, maybe it's just the fact that he's not as good at handling the T T bike as a bigger guy or uh Cranderson just took more risks. I'm not sure exactly. But he was eventually, I think, six seconds behind Karanderson on the stage, which I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you extrapolate that out to a one-hour TT, that's, I mean, yeah, that's like 36 seconds, 40 seconds, So because that was nearly seven seconds he lost by. So it's still a pretty good result for him, but he's not, he's he just clearly, I was thinking about, you know, who's the best time trialist in the world, et cetera, as an overall time trialist. Um and I don't think it's Ganner either. I won't tell you who I do think it is. But, yeah, Kung, I just think, can't be in that conversation because he's not winning these short prologue length ones and he's not really beating the top guys in the longer ones or medium ones either. He just re- always seems to be getting, like, second or third in these World Tour time trials. I mean, he wins a lot of them too, but he's 
yeah, I just don't think he's the, the, the best one or two or even third time trials in the world uh, at the moment, despite his good performance at Worlds. But still, yeah, a good result for him. Moves him up to on GC into third position at the end of the day. Um, we'll see how he goes tomorrow. Like, Do you think he can do anything tomorrow, Benji, or do you think he's going to be able to protect third on GC in that sort of Flandrian stage? He's he's not necessarily bad at Flandrian stages, uh, comparing to Paris Bay where he was good and so forth. But this has moved on here at his bed again, and I think that will uh, cost him a tiny bit, and that might genuinely make it harder for him. But I don't necessarily think that he's needing to be worried about too much. I don't. It's it's a bit difficult. I think that he might just get get out quite well tomorrow and get pretty close to the uh, front of the race, but the likes of Yannick Steimle is a bit of an unknown to me for tomorrow. The likes of Yasha Zutelin, I think that one's going to lose time. Mm. The people behind him in GC after this prologue, no, it's not necessarily a prologue, it's actually a time trial, but the people behind him are equally as as having an opportunity for this one, I would say, after after today. So... I would expect that you might see a, a Vanderpool or something that will do well tomorrow, a Lampard maybe, the real Cobble Classics riders, but whether they will take 20, 25 seconds on the likes of a Stefan Kuhn, that is a mystery to me for now. The next big name to roll off the ramp was obviously Matthew Vanderpool, who Benji just mentioned there. He, from my eye, he looked like he wasn't taking too many risks, just in comparison to some of the other riders, particularly Soren Anderson into the corners. And Laporte, uh, I feel like Van der Poel, like, this isn't his biggest priority right now. Sure, he'd like to win and put himself in a good position for the stage tomorrow and then contesting for the overall GC. But Paris-Roubaix, uh, Tour of Flanders, they're the big ticket items for him this, this season. So crashing or binning it on a technical descent in the Big Bank Tour ITT is not I guess his highest priority, maybe I'm just imagining that, but I think that's borne out by the fact that he was only 3.4 seconds behind Soren Kranderson at the intermediate point, and I was like, holy, he's gone. He is going rapid. Maybe if he bangs these corners over the bridge and then the descent he does really well, um, and he's probably got more top-end power than Kranderson, maybe he can actually make this really close. But then he lost a lot of time um, to... Anderson in that last intermediate, um, he lost like eight seconds, I think, to him. In addition, in the last three to four kilometers, I was less than that. Sorry, it's like three kilometers or two and a half kilometers. He lost like yeah, eight seconds. So, Anderson's second or time after the intermediate time was definitely the quickest of the day. And um, yeah, Van der Poel eventually finished fifth on the stage, twelve seconds back from the eventual winner. Um, but, yeah, then it was, I think, Mads, Pedersen, and Turnison went as well. Um, he didn't really do a very good time. Jasper Philipson did a pretty good time to the intermediate checkpoint, only losing like eight seconds. And, yeah, he looked like he was trying to the max as well. But, yeah, it was Pedersen to see if he could win win the stage and also how whether he'd lose, if he didn't win the stage, how much time he'd lose to um, Kranderson. On GC, um, but yeah, what did you see from Pedersen in this stage, Benji? Um, do you think it suited him? And like, do you think, yeah, like, could it could he have won this stage if he'd done anything differently? It kind of depends. If we compare this to the 
time trials that he did at Tirreno and Bing Bank last year, he was able to get the best time at the first intermediate on every single one of them. And today he was close to that. After having a weird corner issue, he went too much to the inside of the corner and ended up riding next to the road for a second. So he had to correct himself, lost about a second and a half, I think. Not more than that, not less than that. And I feel like that is a sign that he goes too fast at the start and then lingers off a bit towards the end. Because on every single one of these three time trials that I've named now, that is the case. And that was also the case today. It looks like he was on a solid two seconds of certain Grandison after the first intermediate, but Grandison's second period in this time trial was uh, was great. And Peterson did not ride his second part as fast as he did his first part. So because of that, he is losing more time in that second part. And he ended on a distance of nine seconds in the end of Peterson. Do you think that he lost more than that one second and a half with his corner issue at the start? Or do you think that that's negligible really in this result? Maybe two seconds at the most. I don't think it accounts for the entirety of the amount he lost being eight seconds back on Kranz and uh, who eventually obviously then won the stage given that Pedersen was the last rider to finish. Um, but it was still a really good TT from Pedersen. I mean, he sort of billed as a ITT rider, as a time trial rider coming in rather than a sprinter. I think it, it's clear that he's an elite sprinter and a pretty good and handy time trialist. Um, I think that's how I view him now. And as obviously now a, a one-day rider, a guy I think could win, um, is going to win a big classic this year. But, yeah, he hasn't really had a good TT result, ITT result um, for like two years, I don't think, um, looking down at his results. I think he beat Wild Van Art in the TT in like 2018. But, uh, but other than that, he's just got sort of top tens, like seventh, in Bank Bank ITT last year, um, and like six in Torino uh, last year as well. But this, I would put this performance above that. If you have takeaways, uh, sort of mechanical issue, then he probably would have come second, like five or six seconds behind Soren Kramerson. Um, so obviously, it probably suits him a little bit more than the time trial course they proposed that got cancelled. I think this was a bit shorter. Um, but yeah, still good result from Pedersen, and obviously that means only being eight seconds back, he retains the leader's jersey on Soren Kranderson, who's seven seconds behind him, the two Danes on top on GC. Kranderson winning the stage, but still now seven seconds behind Pedersen. Kung is third, 13 seconds back, and Stefan Bessiger, the Swiss riders, two Swiss riders, third and fourth, they're 13 and 14 seconds back respectively, and Mathieu van der Poel, very ominously, 17 seconds back on Mads Pedersen. So that will make tomorrow very interesting, uh, as well as the two quick-step riders um, that will be trying to win the stage tomorrow and GC, depending on the gap they get, Lampart, 24 back, and Seneschal, 31 back. But Benji, what is tomorrow's stage looking like? It's been called the pure Flandrian stage. Um, what can we expect tomorrow? And is it right to call it a, a proper Flandrian classic? I think every stage that includes the Mur von Herat is better than the Kapel Mur is a proper Flandrian classic. And, well, that's actually a lie now thinking about it because the Tour de France last year started in uh, in a stage where the Mur von Herat is better than it. it wasn't a Flandrian stage. Oh, my God. Anyway, I, I think that 
Any stage that includes the Muur four times is a Flandrian stage. Let me correct it like that. It starts in Ottenie, Louvain, La Neuve, and finishes in Gerardsbergen on the middle part of the Muur. So I think I said this in the uh, preview. You've got, first of all, the Muur one, two, three, four times in the stage itself, together with the Bosberg afterwards. In the meanwhile, you've also got in that same circuit the Denderodeberg. And that is, I think, all the climbs we have. Yes, and then we finish at the end after doing the Denderodeberg. Uh, I think there's a ga- about a six kilometer gap between uh, that climb and the finish line, and that finish line is the middle of the Mühle von Herardsbergen. You've got the starting part riding into Herardsbergen, and then you've got the part that goes up around the uh, chapel, and that is the part you don't do at the finish line here. So you basically end just before that part on this stage, but it's still a pretty uh, a pretty magical finish to be honest. So. I'm expecting magic. I'm expecting Mathieu van der Poel. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I don't know who to expect. I'm going to go with Patterson just because... Um, actually, no, that's not true. I'm not going to... I'm, not, I'm going to actually say what I think will happen. I think it'll be one of Lampard and Seneschal. Um, I think probably one of those two quick-step riders, I'm allowed to hedge my bets and pick one of those two win the stage but not by a big enough margin on Pedersen to leapfrog him on GC and I think Pedersen will retain the the leader's jersey because uh, they're 24 and 31 back. So that's what I think will happen. Um, Van der Poel hasn't looked as good as he did last year uh, except for the national championships to the Netherlands where he obviously won. So I guess he showed maybe not as this, not the same consistency of dominance but uh, if, he, if he turns it on tomorrow and wins, of course, I won't be surprised either. Um, but yeah, he's who was your pick, Benji? So I can write it down just for posterity. Was it Van der Poel? Yes, it was. And it's going to okay. be raining tomorrow on paper, according to the weather forecast. So <laughs> it might be quite fun. Yeah, indeed. That's <laughs> That would be beneficial for Pedersen. You're not wrong in that. But uh, my pick stays Van der Poel because why the hell not? He's been waiting for it for a few days now. He lost his Setart Helene opportunity in the Netherlands with the Kauberg, so he's going to try and take revenge on this one. All right, just a short one from us today. Fabio Jakobsen tweeted, uh, quick step rider. He, I think this is probably his first tweet or communication from him directly uh, since his crash in the Tour of Poland. I won't read out the whole tweet to you, but it's yeah, basically describing his present medical conditions, so go and check that out if you want to see an update from him. But otherwise, we just obviously uploaded today, doubleheader today for us. We uploaded the Giro d'Italia preview show. It's a beast. It's, it's really good. Uh, we're really proud of it. And if you want to see the YouTube video version of that as well, that's in that's we're partnering with Lacole actually. Um, we talk about that on the podcast uh, for the Giro d'Italia. But, yeah, if you want to check out the YouTube video for that, we've got the stage profiles, uh, et cetera, for every single stage um, as we talk about them, which might, uh, we're getting, that's just a little increase to the production value that we like to have around here. Um, coming off a low base, so every improvement is a massive one. But that's all for today. Short one. Excited for the f- finale for the Bink Bank Tour tomorrow, as well as the start to the Giro d'Italia. Big day. Uh, I love how we're starting with an ITT tomorrow in the Giro. And then we've got Liège best on Liège the day after, which Kind of terrifying. It never stops. Um, 
But yeah, thanks for listening as always. Thanks for your continued support. See you later. Ciao.